Hello, and welcome to a new edition of Pick and Pod, brought to you by WFUV Sports. I'm Kelly Bright, and I'm honored to be a part of making history today as half of not only the first all-female duo to host an episode of Pick and Pod, but also the first all-student athlete crew. And of course, that wouldn't be possible without my co-host, my colleague, teammate, and absolute best friend, the amazing Gigi Spear. Gigi, I'm so glad we're getting to do this today. Kelly, I am beyond ecstatic to do this with you, and I'm ecstatic to talk some NBA basketball gearing up for the regular season to start next week. And, and it's so crazy that we're literally less than a week away from starting a game when a few months ago we didn't even know if we were going to get to have any basketball at all. So that's very exciting. And there's been, it's been a crazy offseason. You know, a lot of players moving around and a lot of play- players that I know you love staying exactly where they were and signing these max deals. So that's been huge. And one that just happened on Tuesday – Giannis Antetokounmpo, Greek freak, signs the largest Supermax extension in NBA history with the small market Milwaukee Bucks. It's a five-year, $228 million contract with a player opt-out option after the fourth year. And Gigi, if you break down the math, he's making $193 per second, which is probably more than I've made in two months at a time you know, since I've been in the workforce. So that's pretty mind-blowing. <laughs> that is so mind-blowing. Honestly, I'm so happy for Giannis, and I'm so happy for Milwaukee. I think that this is the best thing to happen to them in so long. And I think this just shows how confident not only Giannis is, but the front offices, the coaches are, and all his teammates are, that they will be serious championship contenders, maybe not this year, but in the next couple years. I think that... This is just a great sign for him um, to get his first ring after having so many, so many great personal seasons. Yeah, exactly. And I think it kind of shifts the pressure a little bit here for Milwaukee. You know, originally it seemed like they were having a bad offseason. You know, they messed up that whole uh, Bodon Bodanovich trade and they traded a lot of way to get Drew Holiday, who's a good player, but he's not anything super special, not exactly the player you'd expect them to bring in to try and keep Giannis, but clearly it was enough. And now they just need to reassure him of this choice that he's already made. And, and basically they, it seems like he's very committed to staying in Milwaukee, even if it doesn't mean chasing ring. And this is kind of changing the narrative that's, that's kind of showed up in the NBA the past few years, you know, about these superstars doing whatever they can to chase a ring and, and loyalty being thrown out the window, staying places for one year, kind of like college, this whole one and done narrative. And, and this is kind of, this is a huge shift for the NBA because this is one of the best players in the league arguably arguably top two maybe top three best players in the league and he's deciding to stay with Milwaukee Milwaukee, which is clearly not you know one of the biggest NBA destination cities you know it's not in LA it's not in New York so (laughs) so what do you what else what do you think of this as like an impact on the league as a whole oh my god well I think that's a great realization it is such a pivotal moment for the league as a whole. And I know my man Paul Pierce was going after my actual man, LeBron James. And it might've been an indirect, might've been sub, but whatever. I know people got mad at LeBron, the big decision. And honestly, like, I know LeBron regrets that. A big 
spectacle of where he's going to go next. A lot of people in Cleveland were really upset about that. Still upset. Maybe people still have the scraps of the jerseys they burnt. I don't know. But I think that this narrative is so different because not only is Giannis signing with the team he was drafted by, but he is signing a week early, a week in advance. And I just think that is such good momentum for the next preseason games they have gearing up for their actual regular season and how he could be confident in them being the number one team in the NBA. But I think we both, with our personal experience, we know that finishing top in the regular season does not equate to a championship. And I think that's something that they have to keep in mind. And um, I know that the East is changing a lot this year. You know, it's still not as competitive as the West, but I think that that narrative is changing so much as well. And I just don't see them getting the chip this year, but I think that this is just a huge, huge momentum builder. And even Giannis was saying, everybody is on the same page. Everyone that he's talked to, his family, the front office, coaches, players, everyone is on the same page. And I just think that this is huge for him. And it's very symbolic too. Like I know that not only did he establish his home away from home from Greece in Milwaukee, but he really grew up. I'm, I can't even imagine coming to a new country, 18 years old, develop all, all those years. You become one of the best players in the league. That is so symbolic. And I think you're so right in saying that it changes the narrative completely and that maybe he doesn't need to be joined by another superstar. You know, he's signing that super max and that whole, um, stacking the superstars on one team narrative could be changing as well, which I think is very interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I knew you were going to bring up LeBron, and I agree that I think it's two very different situations. You know, people I, – I also heard Paul Pierce talking about, you know, oh, comparing it to LeBron's decision and all that. But you got to think LeBron came in in the league as the number one pick. You know, everyone was calling him the chosen one. He had all this pressure, all these expectations – and, and Giannis did like he was he was pretty much a nobody like you said he came from he came from poverty he came from the streets of Greece nobody really knew who he was I think he was a 15th pick you know he didn't have this expectation and and he's came into a place that like you said the, they're all on the same page and he's beloved by them he he loves his teammates he loves his coaches his front office when when LeBron was in Cleveland yes it was where he is from clearly you know hometown he gave so much back to his community but he wasn't happy there. And every year he asked the front office, you know, go get me help, get me some pieces, do something. And they wouldn't even make an effort. At least here in Milwaukee, you see them making an effort. It's, I mean, I don't know how, how effective those efforts are going to end up being, but at least they're trying to do something. And at least he has the support of his teammates. Whereas LeBron, you know, even just looking at the difference between him in, in Cleveland and when he went to Miami and how he, you could tell he was just so much happier. And, and obviously now in LA, you know, he has teammates that have his back, you know, he feels supported by his coaches and his, and the staff around him. So it is a different situation, but speaking of LeBron, he also signed a max contract this year, you know, two year max extension, 85 mil, which, that means he's going to be making $82 a minute, which is still ridiculous for me. Struggling <laughs> one day. We'll be there one day. <laughs> That's the goal. Right? That's the goal. But, and, and obviously AD as well, signing that five-year, $190 million max contract. So huge off-season moves for the Lakers. You know, these two key players, two of the best players in the league, arguably the best duo of all time, which we'll get into 
later in the show. But Gigi, what do you think about the Lakers offseason move? Do you think they're going to repeat? What do you think about these extensions? How do you see the Lakers shaping out this season? Okay, yeah, well, I think it's huge. I am, I'll put my money down right now. They're repeating. I think that there's so many talks about legacy with any sport, any individual athlete, you are shaped by your legacy. Not only, you know, the amount of championships you have, but the way you impact people and you make the people around you better. I think that LeBron has established himself as that latter half guy where he is going to be the person to make the people around him better, to give back to the community, to do all that. But everyone, all the LeBron haters go back to the number of rings that he has on his hand. And I think that with these confident confident extensions this is just so telling that this is where lebron wants to spend the rest of his career we don't know maybe Bronny james will want to go somewhere else and so lebron will follow him there but i think that to try and get up to be even more equated with the greats with the late kobe bryant with michael jordan than he already is this is huge and having ad right there by his side is obviously we've seen in the bubble it was the difference maker between them and any other team. And I, there are like, we'll get to, there's so many other great duos in this league, but nobody is going to stop LeBron and AD when they're healthy. And I think that's a big thing is it's when they're healthy too. LeBron is an old, old man. Like, let's just get that out there. And obviously AD's had his injuries too. So I think Frank, Gold, Frank Vogel knows that. Um, and that might be coming up in one of our next segments too. my talk about Frank Vogel. He knows that. And he is going to play LeBron how LeBron wants to be played. Um, you know, like this is the shortest offseason we've had in NBA history as well. And I think that it's just going to be key to keep those two players healthy. And maybe we'll see a 3 P too. But I think that these extensions were expected. And I think they're so welcomed by everybody in L.A. besides the Clippers. So... Yeah, they they honestly might have to just hand Rob Polinka the MVP trophy at this point. I mean, you you bring back <laughs> which is all you had really all you had to do, and then they also add Dennis Schroeder, Wes Matthews, Marcus Saul, Montrezl They just honestly they got better. They were the best team in the league, and then somehow they got better. And it, it's a scary time to be a Western Conference team right now. Like you said, I mean, we'll we'll talk Clippers too probably a little bit later, but. You, you know, you mentioned LeBron is, he's getting older. And, and the reason, one of the reasons his contract is only two years is because in the NBA, once you turn 38, you can't have a contract that extends beyond over two years once you turn 38. And he's going to be older soon. And you got to think like the window for this quote unquote, what could be a dynasty, like you mentioned the word legacy for this, this LA Lakers team is it might be closing soon. You know, we haven't seen a decline from LeBron yet, but you know, age can be a limiting factor and it hasn't been yet, but he's, like you said, he's, he's getting older. So, so this would be the time for the Lakers to get those, that second ring, the third, well, Lakers have a lot of rings, but with LeBron (laughs) to have that second, third ring. So, so the window's closing. So this, this window's closing, but like you said, they did get younger and they got scrappier in this off season. And so I think that he is going to keep making people better and he might be relying on people a little bit more and that's going to be hated on, but I think that's going to be the strategy moving forward. I think it's going to work out too. Yeah, I I have to agree. And we kind of previewed this segment already, but Gigi and I were talking when we were planning the show out and we said, 
you know what, Gigi and I, we ha- we've had a podcast in the past, Killing the Game, check it out, you know, shameless plug. Um, and we would probably consider ourselves one of the more dynamic duos at Fordham. I, I, I wouldn't go as far to say in New York or maybe in the country, but we'll stick with Fordham for now. And so we were talking about best duos in the league. And when you look at the NBA, there's always been this concept of the big three. You know, you had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen with the Celtics, Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker with the Spurs, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch with the Heat. You know, you could argue, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph, Katie, when they were in Golden State. I mean, that was a team. That wasn't just a big three. But now we've kind of shifted more to this dynamic duo phase, especially, you know, we've been talking about LeBron and AD. Obviously, ESPN just ranked them one and two in their top 100 players list. So, Gigi, you know, one, let's try and break some down, some of the best duos down in the league. Who do you think are some of the best duos? Who do we need to watch out for this season? Who is going to be the most, you know, lethal, most potent, most deadly combo coming into the 2020-21 season? Okay. So I think we've already established, and maybe I'm speaking for you, but LeBron and AD for me is the best duo player-wise in the NBA right now. Now, I do have a couple duos I made up that are a little bit comical, but I stand by them, and I think that they're going to work out. But before we get to that, I want another serious duo out there that I don't want people to forget about. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. You cannot forget about the Heat. You cannot rule them out. That was a crazy series. Yeah, of course, I was rooting against them, but I was so impressed by them throughout the season, and then especially in the offseason. They were on fire. And I meant that. Okay. So I want my first kind of joke duo to be Gordon Hayward and the NBA. (laughs) So I think that they're a great duo because they have an amazing thing going. Talk about trust in a relationship. They both trust each other and they stand by each other no matter what. So let's just think about it, right? 2017, whatever it was, $130, $128 million deal Hayward signs with the Boston Celtics. Six minutes in to that regular season debut, he's hurt. Now he's with the Hornets. $120 million deal, hurt again, finger injury. And those are serious. Like, (laughs) it's kind of a joke, whatever, a finger injury, but that's hard to come back from. And, yeah, I just think it's amazing how much faith the NBA as an association has had in this player that we really haven't seen play seriously and at his high level in a good amount of time. So that'll be my first duo for the night. How about you, Kelly? That's the thing. I mean, is he made of glass? Is that why, is that what things are paying so much for? He can't sit. I mean, I joke I'm injury prone too, but I mean, this man, he, he really can't catch a break and he, I mean, he catches a break financially, but physically it's just been a struggle for him. And as a Celtics fan myself, it was it was frustrating to see him leave, especially, you know, after how well the Celtics came together in the bubble last season and in the playoffs, you know, especially with Jason Tatum really coming into his own. And you see Gordon Hayward take this massive paycheck in Charlotte. And and at first you're, you're hurt as a Celtics fan. You're thinking, oh, God, here we go. You know, we're going to have to find another, another star for Jason and Jalen Brown to work with. But then you think about it and – Really, we haven't had we haven't really seen Hayward play more than what maybe 20, 30 percent of a season. So we don't even really know what his potential is or if he can last a full season. So 
I, I think you're right that the trust there is ridiculous. Something I wish I had in my own relationships, honestly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that kind of trust exists outside, outside of the NBA. For me, right. you give me your other, your other, your other comical um, duo. I'm going to, I'm going to give you one that I think is legit. And that's Jamal Murray and Jokic. But, but the way Jokic runs the offense, whether he's on the break, in the high post, on the block, top of the key, he allows Denver to essentially start a shooting guard at the one. And Jamal Murray absolutely thrives in that role. You know, he, the way he comes off of pick and rolls and shoots and he he's, passes it to a guy with this with the skill set of Jokic who can knock down shots drive the ball to the basket you know he's got elite passing so many things that he's just so elite as a big man you know both of them have an over 40 plus percent shooting percentage Murray in the postseason went off you know over 26 points a game six assists two 50 point games you know 42 point performance he's just a great shooter he had great performance in the bubble last season and I, and I would love to see them continue to develop. They're both young guys. You know, they both, I think, are getting into the primes of their career. So I, I think that's one duo, definitely, that kind of goes untalked about. I think they're a little underrated. But I, I would love to hear what you have in store for us next. Okay, I'll tell you what I have next. But, yeah, let me respond to that. I think that that is an amazing duo. And I agree, they're so underrated. Maybe it's because it's Nuggets. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out, even if you could just compare them to other teams in the West. I know they're playing the Blazers tonight. And I think that this could be even a very interesting game um, to see that duo in action if they play. Because the Blazers were so – overwhelmed with injuries last year where the Nuggets kind of went over them and succeeded on their own onto playoffs and yeah I agree I think that's gonna be a very interesting duo to see followed by my other duo LeBron and Frank Vogel I mentioned that earlier I think that it's nice that LeBron and um, a coach have finally gotten along as well as they do I do not like Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue kind of might have figured it out later in Cleveland. Obviously, they won in 2016. But Frank, but LeBron has not had great coaches throughout his career. And I think that this is just a great combination where they understand each other. And obviously, Vogel's going to listen to LeBron. LeBron might listen to Frank with, you know, some technical stuff. But I think that they have a great synergy going on. However, better synergy. I'm going to say between a coach and a player is Kyrie Irving and Steve Nash. I am so happy Nash is a coach this year. What a great player to watch. And now I think it's going to be amazing to see him coach and not only just coach in general, but to coach Kyrie. Kyrie broke his media silence. To say that he was so happy to have Nash as a coach and that they have been having that word synergy very well together. And I think that what we're going to see the rest of the season, and the reason this is kind of funny is because I don't think that you necessarily think Kyrie and you think coachable, you know, like he is his own person. He's very eclectic. And it's funny to see that over the summer, he was even saying, talking to Katie on some podcasts, man like we don't really need a coach like it's you and me once we're both back healthy it is you and me but now he's going back on those words and saying hey we if it could have been anyone like this is a great coach to have and um yeah I just think that there's so much trust there you know him and the Nets are footing the 
25k in fines he racked up from having his media silence and um i think that there's just going to be some really good trust between them two as guards but then also as coaches where Kyrie can kind of learn from Nash but then Nash can also learn from Kyrie on how to coach because this is his inaugural year yeah I I love that pick I I think Steve Nash I'm excited for him I do think he's going into a pretty challenging situation with, with being in such a media high media covered zone in in Brooklyn and also like you said managing these superstar talents but I think you're right I think Kyrie's going to be more willing to listen and work with somebody like Steve Nash, a player's coach kind of guy. You know, he, he knows the game. He's young. He's younger. And Kyrie's going to respect his game. And I think he's, they're going to mesh well together, like you said. And I, that kind of transitions into – I've actually put down Kevin Durant and Kyrie because this is the first year mm-hmm. we get to watch them play together. And, and obviously two of the most elite offensive players in the game, especially KD. And – there are questions, obviously, about Katie's health coming off that Achilles injury, which is one of the worst injuries to come back from in basketball. But in my opinion, Katie is so good that he's better than a lot of the players in the league on, with one foot. And even if he's right. at 80%, I, I still think that's better than most guys, 100%. And he looks good so far. I don't really take the preseason very seriously, but the minutes that he has played, I, I think he still looks smooth. I, I don't see him favoring one side over the other. So... I think this duo, and like you said, with the addition of Steve Nash, I think they're going to be great in Brooklyn. And I think I have really high expectations for this Brooklyn Nets team, especially with some of the other guys they have on their squad. I think it's a very deep roster. And I think it's very exciting to see how these two play off each other. And from there, I'll move to Westbrook and Bradley Beal, which I think has a lot of question marks. But I I, I kind of see this as two players who – have a lot to prove to the NBA. Now, Westbrook, obviously, in this trade out of Houston with John Wall, to me, was kind of disrespectful, saying that Westbrook is the equivalent of John Wall, maybe a few picks, because I think Westbrook is a lot better than that. And he's great at doing everything except shooting beyond the arc, which Bradley Beal is exceptional at. You know, Bradley Beal, I think, is also a very underrated player. He's one of the top shooting guards in the league, but he's, he's just been on a team that hasn't had anyone else. You know, he wasn't named an all-star last season, but he was top five in almost every offensive category. He averaged, what, 30.5 points, and he had a 57.9 true shooting percentage last season. I mean, those numbers have only been exceeded by Harden, Michael Jordan, and Oscar Robertson before, you know, and he he just hasn't had any help. So I think the two of them together is going to be pretty exciting for a Washington Wizards team that hasn't had a lot to be excited about for for the past few years. Yeah, I agree. I mean... I think that Westbrook is such an interesting player too. And like, I know videos could not really be telling the truth, but from the videos I've seen from him, it looks like he's having fun. And I think that's what he needed. And I know we're going to get to Harden, but I think that might be something that he was lacking coming off of playing with Harden. Maybe someone that he clashed with a little bit. Um, but I think it's interesting too, that some news came out earlier today about who Giannis wanted the Bucks to trade for. And Beal was actually in that conversation. And I want to shout out my friend Kofi because he was even telling me when we were talking about the um, the Bucks acquisitions and the huge deal Giannis just signed is that the, that the Bucks are still missing a key player. They're missing a key component. Unless Giannis can work more and um, 
just try to get his mid-range jumpers up and post-ups up. Um, and I think that, that Beal could be an interesting acquisition, maybe if they could get that trade going. But um, I really want to see the Wizards do well. It, they have had a drought even just making to the conference finals. Um, and I, I think they're far from that. But I think that this um, is going to be an interesting, interesting duo. Yeah, I completely agree. And sometimes I think Westbrook kind of gets a hard time for being he gets he gets this bad rap, this bad reputation of being a ball hog and not working well with other players. But if you really look at his history, you know, when he was with Paul George, when he was with Harden, when he was with Durant, they've all thrived playing next to him. I mean, Harden led the NBA in scoring last year with Westbrook, you know, in 2018 season, Paul George, he had his, by far his best season, a career career high season, 28 points per game. He finished third in MVP voting. And then Durant, you know, when he was with Durant um, in OKC, Durant won four scoring titles as Westbrook's teammate. And, and they went to the finals with a Thunder team that besides the two of them wasn't that talented. So he's had success with other all-star players in the past. So, and like you said, Bradley Peel, that would be interesting if, if he ends up in Milwaukee. But, but that's, it's, I'm still excited for, for the Washington Wizards this season. Still don't think they're going to do anything in, in – uh, playoffs, but I mean, they, they'll be in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to make it to a finals or anything like that, but, but still an interesting duo nonetheless. And Gigi, when I, I mentioned our podcast earlier, and one thing we do in, in our Killing the Game podca- podcast is this thing called Spear Speed Round. And, and normally when we do that, Gigi comes at me and she asks me a bunch of quick rapid fire questions. And I, I wanted to do something like that in, in this, in this podcast with Pick and Pod, but Instead, we decided to do something Christmas themed, something holiday themed, because because it is the season. You know, Christmas is a week away, so so is the start of the NBA season. So, Gigi and I were talking. We're, we were like, let's do let's do a naughty or nice list. You know, Santa Claus might not be coming to town, but the NBA is. Let's let's do a naughty or nice list. So, Gigi, Gigi, give me one person who's been naughty this year, or one 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 situation that that is bad, leaving a bad taste in your mouth. Who, who doesn't deserve a present this year? Okay. All right. One person, rather one thing I think doesn't res- deserve a present this year is the expectation of any NBA fan, coach, player, onlooker, anyone thinking that the NBA is going to be a smooth sailing season. I think that we just need to go ahead into the season thinking that there's going to be delays. We're seeing that in college basketball right now. We saw that in the NBA. I mean, we saw in the MLB. They're not in the bubble anymore. We need to just get rid of the idea that games won't be canceled, that even superstars won't be out. I mean, I think my boy LeBron, he'll be fine. Like He's going to find a way around it. But if you take a look at the rules, they are – I mean, they're not ridiculous – in a way that is unreasonable. They're ridiculous where it's really hard to get such a big group of people to adhere to these rules, players, coaches, staff, everyone. And I know there's rules going against bars, which James Harden's obviously following, um, going out, doing um, things outside, having big groups of people. There's so many strict rules that the NBA has made up to, you know, like probably cover their own selves, but also to um, help the safety of everyone involved in the association. So I think that the first thing on my naughty list is just the idea of people thinking that coronavirus will not be something to be worried about now that they're out of the bubble. Yeah, I completely agree. And you got to think you're looking at these other 
these other leagues, you know, look at the NFL, they've had to postpone how many games? And I've said this before, you know, it, it, yeah, the NFL has a lot more flexibility than the NBA does. They have a lot more players, have bigger roster sizes. They're outside. They're wearing equipment that has masks literally like built on them. And, and they have, they have six, seven days in between games versus the NBA are playing the NBA. They have three, four games in a week. Some, you know, sometimes multiple games back to back. So it's a lot harder situation. And, and you mentioned players following rules that that's a lot. That's very hard to ask for players who were just, you know, they were just subjected to a bubble for so long and it's just going to be a much different environment. And you mentioned James Harden and James Harden's actually the first and highest on my list of naughty individuals. You know, first of all, the picture that went viral of him looking like Kendrick Perkins, looking like he he has been on a I, I don't even I don't even have the words. He's looking more like a linebacker than than James Harden. But I mean he can do what he wants. If he wants to look like that and score fifty points a game, that's fine. But exactly. but the missing practice, showing up late for training camp, pictures of him in clubs, you know, hanging out with little baby, as much as I would love to hang out with little baby, like this is not the time. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. And yes, he's made it clear that he wants out of Houston. Yes, he wants to trade. Yes, he's been talking to other teams. But guess what? But guess what, Harden? No one has offered you yet. You're not on another team yet. You still owe, you're still in a multi-year contract with the Houston Rockets. And he's disrespecting them with the way he's been treating, you know, that's disrespectful to the coach, to a t- organization that he's been with, to his fellow teammates, to just not to, the, you know, to have the audacity to not even show up to training camp on time. And then in the media today, when they were asking him about it, they asked him, you know, what, why were you in Las Vegas? Why were you in Atlanta? He says, uh, I was training. I was training. I, was training. I had my personal trainers out there. Training. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's okay. that's what we're gonna call that. If if that's what we're gonna call that, then God God bless him. I, wow. Then I'm training right now, sitting I, down. I, so <laughs> sign me up. Sign me up for James Harden's personal training. Give me give me the number to his personal trainer. I want to have some fun. But yeah, James Harden is, is number one on my naughty list. I I think he's gonna end up staying with the Rockets for this season because I don't know who else is gonna want to deal with him or give up the players necessary to get him right now. So I think he's going to stay in Houston, and I think his reputation is going to take a massive hit for it. Another team I had on my naughty list was the Detroit Pistons. And I'm gonna, I'm saying Detroit Pistons. LeVar Ball just called them raggedy as hell. And I don't know if I would use that term, but what, what in God's name was their offseason? I mean, right. bringing these – bringing Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley. I only know Mason Plumley because he went to Duke and I live in North Carolina. That's the only reason I know Mason Plumley is signed him for a $25 million deal for three years. And not only did they bring him in, but they brought Jalil Okafor in and, and you're that's on a team that already has bigs. They didn't need more bigs. So you just have this obsession with big men, which I, I don't understand, you know, and they get rid of Christian Wood, who they probably should have kept. He's, he was one of their best players. They didn't, I, I don't know. They, it just doesn't really make sense to me. I don't see how all these pieces are going to come together. You know, they traded away their best three-point shooter in Luke Kennard in a multiplayer three-team trade, and they didn't even get anyone great back from that. They didn't get Landry Shamet. So so a lot of just big question marks there. And, Gigi, they cut middle and ball brother. And, and you know, say I, I was excited for all three brothers to be in the league, and now um, LiAngelo's out. 
and I'm, I think I know who one of your nice list people is. And I think this is a great transition into that. So, you know, they cut one, they cut one ball brother. And that was, that was part of my naughty list. Now, Gigi, who's someone on your nice list? I really wanted to be controversial today. And that is why LaMelo Ball is on my nice list. So I just think that, first of all, I love the Ball family. <laughs> I want the haters to come at me with that because I know that it just sounds so crazy. So, okay, uh, we have LaMelo Ball on the Hornets, and I think that he is just such a good addition. Let's just say that. The shot is ugly. That just runs in the damn family, I think. The shot is awful. The shot's on my naughty list. Like, you could take the shot away. The shot's bad. It looks bad, but it works. And I think that he just adds, like, a certain swag to the team. And I think I'm a little biased because I feel like I've kind of maybe seen him grow up. I've seen him, you know, be skinny, be the Chino Hills, like, go viral. I've seen him go international. I'm like, oh, he's gone now. Now he's back. He is more athletic now, and I think that his swag and, like, his kind of I-don't-care attitude, the audacity to stare down the Hornets bench, I just think that that's going to be just such a good addition for everyone. You know, I think he's going to help the Hornets. That's what really matters. But I think he's going to help fans in general. It could be even just the slightest bit of comedic relief in such tumultuous times, and and he's fun to watch. So I think that that's why he's on my nice list. I think he's just such a good addition, at least for entertainment purposes. A little controversial, but that's who I'll go with. How about you, Kel? What do we have in the nice list? For my, I, for my nice list, I'm going to go with another young talent. I'm going to go with Obi Toppin in the Knicks. Mark this day on your calendar. I'm saying something nice about a New York team, but Obi Toppin, you know, hometown kid, eighth overall pick from Dayton. Obviously, we go to Fordham, so you know, same conference, it, it really cool to see. And, you know, I, again, I, like I said, I don't really read much into the preseason, but his NBA day de- in his NBA debut, you know, he had 11 point outing. He looked comfortable working out of the post. He had this really nice transition play where he dribbled the ball all the way down, uh, you know, off of Detroit miss. He finds Kevin Knox and open the corner and then he moves himself into position and has this great dunk. So, you know, I think he's going to be great for New York he's he's a young talent coming in and the Knicks fans just haven't had a lot to be happy about they haven't had a lot to hold on to and I think he's somebody where they're not going to get their they're not going to be disappointed because he is a rookie as even though he has expectations they're not you know skyrocket high and the Knicks are in a rebuilding phase you know as much as past ownerships want to say that they're they're going to be you know playoff bound if they're not playoff bound it's the New York Knicks but this is a time to develop young players and if you know, with Giannis off the market next year and not a lot of big players who are going to be free agent except for maybe Kawhi Leonard next, you know, next season. It, they have to look within who they have within their franchise. And I think Obi Toppin has the potential to be one of those players to build a franchise around. You know, he does have some, some you know, he, he's obviously young and he's got a lot to improve on. His defense has a long way to go, especially with his lateral quickness. But I think offensively, he could be really exciting to watch and really fun to watch. Like you said, with, with LaMelo Ball, you know, you know, it's just, it's good to have something fun to look forward to in these times. So I, I think I'm going to go with Obi Toppin for my nice list, my nice list guy. Very interesting. I do like Obi Toppin as well. I think it's a big pickup for the Knicks. Um, just a little glimmer of hope too. And yeah, now he's out of Ohio. He's back home. Like you said, 
it's nice for him. I know he's been very positive about getting drafted there. And I know there was some talk if the seating didn't really work out and he would have ended up staying in Ohio with the Cavs. And I'm sure he's very happy. He's out of there. But I think you're right. The Knicks have to accept <laughs> yet again, this is a rebuilding year. And if you want to accept that you might be very last in the NBA, a lot of Knicks fans in my family, I'll say that you might be dead last, but you do have young talent. You still have RJ Barrett, who is so promising. And if this really is the age of duos, like we're talking about, that could be a young duo that could develop into something great if they figure it out. But I would like to round out at least my portion of the segment with my second nice list. Someone who is most definitely going to be receiving presents underneath their tree, shipped from Gigi Spear, is Dwight Chocolate Shoulders Howard. <laughs> oh, I stand by this. A great vet, a great addition to the 76ers, who I also would argue are rebuilding. You know, I you can't expect them to be completely elite this year. I, you cannot expect the championship out of Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, but you can trust the process. And I think that Howard is just such a good person to have there to trust the process with. He's going to be there to pick up rebounds. We saw that. We've seen that throughout his entire career, and it was definitely evident last year with the Lakers. I was so happy that he returned to himself as a dominant player. And yeah, of course, he's not top of the league, but he is making a good impact on the team. He's not taking away like he might have been in the past. So he's on my nice list. I know I saw something out there about a lawsuit, so I'm going to ignore that. He's on my nice list for basketball and for having a solid, solid vet on the team. I think that having a good vet on the team goes such a long way just for, you know, like James Jones, champ, or like you have Channing Fry or like Richard Jefferson now who have their own podcast and who have had it since 2016, 2015, having them together, having a vocal leader on the team with young talent, I think it's just going to be very transformative for everyone. And you don't necessarily need to rely on him for points. I think that it's more of a morale thing and it's more of another, another like fuel to the fire for the 76ers, a little bit of hope for a scrappy team. And yeah, so he's on my nice list. How about you, Kel? I like that. I mean, I think the 76ers, I, I think you're right. I think it's a little bit of a rebuilding year, but, you know, bringing in Daryl Morey, you know, to run basketball operations there has been really good for them so far. You know, they got rid of Al Horford with just, with just one far off first round pick and they added some good players, you know, Seth Curry's in there now and you have oh, yeah. and Joel Embiid who are already obviously very strong, Danny Green, Tobias Harris. So bringing Dwight Howard, like you said, that's always good to see, you know, love when all-star veterans come in and, and get their pay and, you know, hopefully he'll continue to have success there. Now, you mentioned someone earlier in the podcast. Yep, I did. Have, did not have nice things to say about them, but they're on my nice list. And this is kind of a hot take, but whatever. It's cold outside. We need some warmth. <laughs> I'm going to say that potentially we could see – Tyron Lue as coach of the year. Now, I know that's a hot take. My God. Look at, this, look at the LA Clippers right now. You know, he's coming into maybe an easy situation talent-wise, you know, two of the best players in the league. But it's a challenging one chemistry-wise, one that we know has locker room issues. And there's right. a lot of pressure there to come in and, and fix. You know, this is a team that 
failed to meet expectations last year. You know, they blow that 3-1 lead in the playoffs. And he, he's coming in and coming into a team that blamed their coach for past mistakes. Now, I don't think Doc Rivers was fully to blame for what happened um, in the playoffs and just over the course of the season. But I think Lou is going to come in here, like you said with Steve Nash, I think he's going to be much better at handling these two, these two all-stars, much better at dealing with the chemistry issues and the locker room issues. Players have already come out. You know, Nicholas Batum, he's new there. He's already come out and said that chemistry and energy there is, is crazy relaxed. And, and I think, you know, his style is going to work better with this team. You know, I've, I think bringing in Serge Ibaka, was a great move for this team because I think he's going to help ease the tension there. He's already had success with uh, with Kawhi in Toronto, so I think that's going to help a lot. And I think in, you know, Ty Lue, look back when he was handling LeBron James, you know, you could argue maybe LeBron James was more of a coach in that situation than he was, but he wasn't afraid to yell at LeBron. He wasn't afraid to give the team a dose of accountability when they needed it, and I think that's something the, the Clippers locker room needs right now. So I, I think – if he can find a way to manage this team, you know, and, and maybe even help, you know, add in some spacing and shooting like he did with the Cavs. Cause I think that's something the Clippers need maybe even more, you know, you know, they can have a starting lineup that features three point shooters at each position with Ibaka at center. So I'm excited for this Clippers team. I, I don't think they're, they're even close to the Lakers because I don't think anyone is close to the Lakers, but still I think Ty Luke could come in and, and help this team figure out a better identity. I think that is so interesting for you to say. <laughs> for me, I can't shake the thought of AI stepping over Tyron Lue. I don't think that leaves your mind as a player. It doesn't leave your mind as a coach. That stays with your morale. That is a confidence killer for life. And so, you know, I don't really have all the faith in Ty Lue, but I think coming into such a good group of guys, Obviously, you have Kawhi, one of the best players in the NBA. You have Paul George, who said he is so committed to being a part of the Clippers franchise for at least the rest of his career. Um, but then you also have guys, you have Lou Williams, you have Pat Bev, and like you said, you have Serge Ibaka now, who are great vocal leaders and great energy people. And I think that if they're supplying that and Ty Lue can match it and find ways to channel it and to direct them in a positive way, in a way that doesn't see them losing 3-1 leads, that doesn't see them having the problems that they had in the past. And I just think it's very interesting, like I said, for you to say that I do not agree. I think you have way better people up for Coach of the Year. I honestly, I know this might be kind of premature, but I think that you could see the Bucks as a number one seed overall again, and you might see good old Coach Mike as Coach of the Year yet again. And I think that would be my prediction. I think a Lakers championship maybe against the Bucks, and I don't think that it's going to be a coach in the West getting this Coach of the Year award. Certainly not Ty Lue. We can agree to disagree. We don't have to agree on everything. I, and I told – it was a hot take. It's a hot take. And I – I agree. There are definitely other candidates for coach of the year. I think Doc Rivers with the 76ers is also one, but Gigi, we're about out of time. And this has been so fun. I'm so glad that we got to do this together. I, I can't wait to do more with you in the future, whether it's on this podcast, any other podcast, our own podcast. It's, it's always such, it's such a, such a good time working with you. Kelly, 
this has been so amazing. It always is just to talk to you. To quote Andrew B. Posadas, I would pay a king's ransom for you, Kelly, <laughs> and to do this podcast again. I don't think the NBA is going to be playing that for James Harden, but I will be paying it for Kelly Bright and to record another podcast with you. It has been an honor. Uh, well, that's going to do it for this edition of Pick and Pod. We'll be back next week with a new episode, this time talking about the first official games of the 2020-2021 season. We are less than a week away from opening tip-off on December 22nd. And I know I can't wait to watch actual basketball again. Until then, I hope everyone is staying safe, staying positive, testing negative. And lastly, from all of us at WFUB, we want to wish you all the happiest of holidays. For Gigi Spear, I'm Kelly Bright. Thanks for tuning in. And Pick and Pod is a production of WFUB Sports.